Hello, Happy New Year, and welcome to episode 245 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. I'm Angel. And you may notice we are Kevin-less this episode. Kevin-less? Kevin-less? Um, but yeah, schedule conflicts aside, uh, we have got a show for you full of old things. Yeah, that's right. What better way to start a new year than with things from past years which i guess kind of makes kevin not being here almost makes sense because like it's kind of with our theme and you know throwback to yesteryear of the pre-kevin days of the podcast and we're talking older games slightly so man we've had quite a few combination of the missing people huh like i know we've had you missing for one quarantine chronicles a while ago i've been in every single one Uh -uh. i've been on all of them i sat there silently nope. I, I sat there silently I know for a fact I've recorded one episode without nope. you what you did is a 50 minute conversation about The Last of Us Part 2 and you kind of just left me there and I didn't know what to talk about so I just sat there in silence for 50 oh, minutes oh never mind I remember what it was you left for a while you stepped away for a conversation I forgot what it was for it was oh Kevin oh yeah yeah a, it was uh, spoilers the, of good place there we yeah, go yeah. yeah man but yeah, so. hashtag bluff. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah, but we do, uh, you know, no Kevin aside, and apparently me being a curse on you when we do the podcast aside, we do have, I think, a good show ahead of us. Uh, we're going to be sharing our impressions of a few games that take established IPs in some different directions, Minecraft Dungeons and Crash uh, Team Racing Nitro Fueled. As well as like what IPs we may want to see branch out in different directions. Uh, we're also going to have a little bit of news that occurred during the holiday break. And just to really emphasize that this is the first show of the new year, we'll be sharing our Switch gaming resolutions for 2021. And of course, all these topics, per usual, have uh, timestamps on the episode 245 blog post over Amazon.com or under the YouTube video if you're streaming over there. So yeah, it should, it should be a good, a bit looser of a show. Um, but since we are right at the top of the year, how was your New Year's, Angel? Did you do anything interesting? No, played some Black Mesa, hung out with Dog. Oh, that was cool. Had a little Santorini tournament. For those that don't know, it's a pretty fun puzzle game. Maybe I'll talk about it on QC one day. But no, if you like chess style games, check it out. Not as intimidating as chess. Let me just put that like, out there. Could you do a seven part mini series about it? Like you could Queen's Gambit, or is it simpler than that? Probably. I would say it's more interesting than chess, hmm. but maybe that's just because chess hasn't changed for hundreds of years and you know this is fresh and new right right well i look forward to eventually hearing about it on qc did you do any nintendo-y things or was it kind of a non-nintendo night weekend if anything it was anti-nintendo wow um bold <laughs> well, no, i'm just kidding but no, i don't i don't you I don't literally think there was mario I mean, point, from being in your house that day um, I mean, if the Centurion tournament hadn't taken as long as it did, or maybe just like the timing that we decided to start things, we probably would have connected the GameCube and played something, like maybe one of the Mario parties, probably like six or seven, but we didn't get to that. That's kind of what I ended up doing, actually. Like, you played a GameCube? No, Mario but I party? played a Mario Party. But that's why I said kind of what I ended up doing. But yeah, oh. it's fine because like... Oh, God. Please please not Super Mario it Party. It was Super Mario Party. But I mean, the, the Switch was right there. But yeah, no, it's it's fine because like I feel like because of the pandemic and everything, um, like New Year's was more like pretty different for me because usually I like try and go somewhere, but that's not really an option. So... Oh, yeah, that FOMO. Yeah. No, so what I, what I was left with was sort of... This is this is like perfect for you. You can't, yeah, have can't FOMO have FOMO and, and nothing it, to be exactly. FOMO I mean, the only FOMO there is is catching COVID, and that's not a fear I 
I don't fear missing out on that, so it's okay. Uh, but no, we uh, wouldn't put it past you, though. No, God, no. But we we did. Um, like it was kind of <laughs> nice to be in because it became like a game night. Uh, which and it was weird. Like this goes down a little cliche, but it kind of there's something about it just remind me of, like why like I like Nintendo so much in particular. Like we had you know a night in with uh, Super Mario Party. Oh God. No, well I mean like. But we had like Super Mario Party and obviously turned that into a bit of a drinking game and then, you know, celebrate the countdown inside Animal Crossing. And, you know, there's just like, it's just so like wholesome. I don't, I like, I don't know how Barrett's got, like, yeah, there's plenty of. Ex- so, what did they have to do at Animal Crossing? So, they. Like, what besides the giant countdown? So, well, well they home? have the countdown and they have, um, it's like a whole animation and it says like 2021 and everything. And they have, um, you can get your party hat and they now, in advance of the celebration, sell different things so you could get like a, uh, sparkling cider that you can toast with non-alcoholic of course um and like you know the party poppers and other things and then you just you know get to talk to villagers and all the new year's resolutions no 2021 glasses uh you know i don't remember if there were any i didn't buy any were there any i don't remember but either way they had like the, no. the countdown and the people the characters there and then just the fireworks show for the next like hours so you could walk around the island and do your own thing and just have the fireworks but really what was nice about it is like because even the ball drop in new york like didn't have a crowd like they had 40 like essential workers and then just an empty Times square that was it so it was kind of nice to and that's obviously you know east coast and we're on the west coast so it was nice to actually have like a thing to count down with so in a way like between super mario party and animal crossing it almost kind of felt like a whole like thing because you know you you party you do your drink drinking whatever your games and then like you go do the countdown so it just kind of was like a virtual version of that which was kind of nice and i know like a ton of games could be fun with friends obviously you know the among us if you want to have a bit more mischievous of a night that that could be a really fun thing to do with friends apex overwatch call of duty <laughs> mischievous of a mischievous night, of a night. Wow. no but you know what i mean like if you if you want it to be like it's wholesome if you want to like you wrestled out there if, if you want to yeah, get into trouble guys... go play some among us <laughs> But no, I mean, like, if you don't want something quite as wholesome, it's like, hey, we're just, like, counting down in a game with little talking animals. And and honestly, like, what I started to say is there's a ton of team-based, like, competitive stuff. You can do, like, Apex and Overwatch and Call of Duty and Rocket League. And, and those are all fun with friends. But, like, I don't know. As, like, as cheesy as it sounds, there's just something so, like, I sort of said already, but, like, wholesome about how I had, like, this little Nintendo New Year's game night. And I think uh, part of it was probably because the games just felt thematically appropriate. Like, you know, a party game. And a game with an actual countdown. Is this um, the part where you say that your New Year's was sponsored by Nintendo? Yeah, this is the part where I say uh, that I am a paid – no, I wish. Hashtag ad. Hashtag spawn. No, um, but I don't know. It was just something – like the, the thing that kept popping to my head like throughout the night, not constantly, but you know, a couple times throughout the night was there was this – I just get really weird. But roll with me here. A few weeks back, Miyamoto did an interview with the New Yorker, New Yorker magazine. And it was a really great read. Like it was more about Miyamoto himself and his mindset than any one project. And like not to go too much on a tangent here, but there's like some great little segments in there. Like at one did point, did what happened to Star Fox Zero? He did not, because again, it was more about him than uh, the games. But there was a funny line. Well, that's why I'm curious. Maybe like where his mind state was. Maybe he just wasn't in a good place. Uh, well, <laughs> considering it was made by Platinum and not him. I think it's okay. I mean, he demoed it and talked about the controls and probably was the guy that forced I the I thought control. he was, like, directly responsible for, like, the controls. Uh, he probably was. Maybe he's he just taking was. credit for I it? Don't no, no, I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Because, I mean, it seems like the blame, like, anywhere, everywhere I've read or asked, it seems like the blame is, like, 
play squarely. I mean, on he is the one that always insists on wanting it that's, to be however it true. was. He is the one that always insists on those sorts of things. So it probably was. But this I mean, was... if anything, considering Platinum made it, I'm sure if Platinum had their way with it, it probably would have looked way different. You're probably right. Just imagining what Platinum yeah. could do with the Star Fox. Yeah, game. I mean, this was they practically had one in the in Bayonetta one. There's like a. Uh, what's the name of that franchise from Sega where some guy is holding like a giant rocket? What? And they're like kind of flying it to the foreground. It's like a Sega Genesis Space game. Space Harrier? But yeah, Space Harrier, the thing with the with the super catchy scene. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's like a Space Harrier inspired level at the end of Bayonetta 1 that's also kind of Star Foxy. And hmm. it just kind of reminded me of like, oh, wow. Well, they definitely know what they're you doing. You might be right. Mia- of, maybe that's why they got picked. Yeah, that probably is. And then Miyamoto's like, now don't do any of that. But, um, yeah, no, the interview was more about him and, like, his state of mind. But the, the thing I thought was kind of funny, at one point they asked him, like, they literally asked him, like, what type of boss are you? And, like, what's your, like, work ethic and this and that next thing? And when they ask him what type of boss he is, his immediate response is, you mean, like, if I were a video game boss? Which is just so, <laughs> such a, like, Miyamoto answer. But, um, We'll link to the whole thing in the blog post for anyone who wants to read the article. I recommend it. It's, it's, it's interesting. But anyway, the reason I bring it up is in that interview, he talks about... Well, you're not going to tell us? What? Everything in the interview? Well, that's all he said. Uh, no, no, no. About uh, what kind of boss oh, he was. Oh, like, uh, you're going to have to go read the article. Yeah, leaving you in suspense. Got to get, got to give New Yorker those clicks. They did the interview, but no, uh, oh, that kind of makes me want to click. Less, but all right. <laughs> no, what I was gonna say though is the, the that was a tangent. The thing I was gonna bring up is they asked him what makes a Nintendo game, and he kind of was explaining the idea of like creating this sort of warm feeling that's super approachable for anyone who wants to join or even just watch and like you do it together and and yeah, I don't that so my game night was happening and I thought of that and then that sent me down memory lane to the pre-pandemic times where for years Angel you'd host game nights around the holidays with tiles like you know Nintendo Land and groups of friends would just sort of pop in and out and nobody really needed to know how to play or what to do they just come in play maybe they just watch if we didn't have enough controllers and everyone like had a good time I was just like you know honestly Nintendo's pretty cool like it was you know, the, these were just fleeting thoughts in the moment on New Year's Eve, but just kind of like, okay, yeah, this is this is why I like these guys so much. Like, this is this is like it's really cool. This night sort of came together during a pandemic when there was nothing going on. So, I mean, I don't know if you ever had that sort of vibe in a moment of any of the Nintendo Land or Mario Party or Mario Kart nights that we've had at your place over the years, but it was just kind of I don't know, just like clicked for a minute in the middle of all the New Year's stuff. And it was, it was kind of nice. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, like, it's, and, and to be clear, it's not like I was, like, so, it's like I'm saying, like, oh, man, I love Nintendo. Like, I didn't zone out to the point that I lost Super Mario Party. I mean, I did lose at Super Mario Party, but I, it was the drinks, not the, the fleeting thought here. But, uh, yeah, it's just kind of a nice reminder of, like, as much as we nitpick Nintendo and second guess their every move, the experiences they create are really just so, like, pure and wholesome and fun. And, and I think it's, because of those which is why at least i like talking every yeah, two weeks pure and about wholesome. It. it's a good way to put it yeah yeah um and really this is just a trojan horse for me to say after playing super mario party we gotta say it every time i bring it up where is the dlc where where is it come on nintendo i'm trying to get this out of the way early in 2021 but really where is the dlc I literally looked everywhere, even where I thought it wouldn't be, just because you know sometimes things pop up there. But where where would you look where it wouldn't be? Like it, the dark web? Like what? Like where do you go to find DLC? <laughs> <laughs> Are you like in a Tor browser just looking for know. DLC? Like I just 
check the top of my desk for a random thumb drive that just said Super Mario Party DLC. But just say it's like, say it's like best mini there. games of 1, 2, and 3 just on a thumb drive. But uh, Seriously, like if they just put like a top 100 on the Switch, even that would just be great. That, yeah, I, I still can't believe they put down 3DS and not Switch. With online multiplayer, of course, yeah. they'll find a way to... Honestly, they should just up-res top 100 and call it a day. Like, just use the Mario Party engine and just release 100. It's not that hard. But anyway, sorry, that was a tangent. I was just saying that, yeah, Nintendo made for a decent New Year's Eve. Um, but you, you, I guess it wasn't on New Year's, but you've also been playing um, the other side of the Nintendo coin, the more challenging side lately, right? Because you, you were checking out... We talked about the game and watch as a device, but you actually have been going through lost levels, haven't you? Yeah, because you know, like this thing costs like fifty bucks. Might as well play it. Make sure I play. Dude, it's making a killer clock for me. Still on my desk. (laughs) It's a great clock. I really do appreciate that aspect of it. Yeah, Mm. it's nice just having it connected and viewable at all times. But as far as those games go, though, um, I did. This was my first time revisiting the game and. Definitely over 10 years, because I do remember playing it once in a while in Super Mario All-Stars back when, I guess, the Super Nintendo was still relevant. But replaying it now, it's kind of weird. It just kind of feels like, maybe more so than I would have noticed before, but it definitely feels like someone... It's like a Mario Maker game, I guess. It feels like a game that someone made in Mario Maker, just based off of the, the Mario 1 assets. Like, everything just feels... A little more extreme and just kind of like weirdly placed, hmm. but not in a bad way, yeah. but just like for the sake of challenge. Yeah. Like you could definitely tell this game was just made to be like, yeah, you beat the first one, well, like hold on to your overalls. Like you see nothing. Hold on yet. to your overalls. Fitting. Yeah. And your M emblemed cap. But yeah, and I mean, besides like the poison mushroom, like there isn't anything tune you off the top of my head i mean everything like literally everything is reused except for um uh, i don't remember seeing the super trampoline a lot in part i one. don't think it was all. like yeah because that thing definitely stands out the first time you jump on it you just like go rocket past like the screen and then you're just suspended in the air for a long time and you're supposed to use that to cross to cross large gaps which you definitely don't really have a lot like that or anything in super mario one but, I don't know, it's interesting. I feel it still holds up. Like, I don't know, both Mario 1 and 2, like the actual, I guess either, for that matter. Um, I guess any Mario game, for that matter, as well. Are the only, like, NES games that I feel are still fun to play and revisit. Um, I obviously prefer the feel of more modern Mario games, where you have more control in the air. I mean, these are just different, and they're more challenging because you don't have as much control. It's, like, really dependent on momentum. But they're the only NES games I could tolerate, like, from the first generations of these, like, franchises. Right. Like, Zelda, I get bored way too quickly. Kind of the same thing with Metroid. Like, I feel if I had played these way before I played, like, Super Metroid or Metroid Fusion or, I don't know, I guess I'll say, like, Ocarina of Time or Majora's Mask. I probably would have appreciated these more, but I mean, I guess I could still appreciate them. I just can't find them fun. Right, right. Except for the Mario's. Well, they're, yeah, they're like, I, 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 it could actually also just be simply because Nintendo has literally shoved Mario 1 down our throats for like the past like two decades or more. And we've been pretty much playing it like in little tented minigame doses, like whether it be a WarioWare or some other games. 
that it's just always stayed I don't know, conscious and fresh. Well, I, I, I think there's another the other games. I think there's another layer to it too. It is very pick up and play. I, I think it's yeah. I mean, it is also the most like Nintendo-y of those three for that. And right. not just that though, but I think like you know we've talked a few episodes ago about like Star Fox and how en- the entry point to the franchise can really make or break earlier entries. And I think the thing about Mario 2D Mario is it hasn't really changed. Like you could look at like Zelda and how it's evolved. Or you can look at uh, Metroid and how it's evolved. But if you look at like Mario. All they did was swap out some power-ups for some other power-ups. That's about it. Maybe the momentum's a little different, to your point. Or the jumping in the air, that sort of thing. No, it is but like, it's, not, it's definitely not a little. No, but I mean, but I mean like, but but I mean like a, in terms of... But that's not a visual change. Yeah, but in terms of like the gameplay, it's the same. Like Zelda, you know, they really elaborate on how the puzzles work. Metroid became a lot more about like exploring the map in a very, you know, and all that stuff. But like... The original was just like, all right, you're in these rooms, and you just go room to room and figure it out. And then the layer ones, like, really, like, the story threaded the needle and all that. So, like, it, I feel like Mario is the most – modern 2D Mario is probably the closest to what the NES Mario was compared to any other Nintendo franchise. And that's probably why it's most approachable still for you, if I had to guess, on some level. And Nintendo shoving it down our throats. But I imagine a big part of it is simply because Mario is the, the least evolved of them all. They say pretty tried and true to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the Mario Maker comparison you made at the very start there was, was interesting because I remember when Mario Maker first came out, Nintendo was talking about, oh yeah, we have these internal dev tools that let us literally just like mix and match elements of games. And those are now what we're turning into like a consumer friendly, accessible interface with Mario Maker. So literally what you're saying feels like Mario Maker. It probably was, it was whatever the early set of Mario Maker style tools were that then evolved into Mario Maker 30 years later or whatever. But, um, yeah, because I only dabbled in it. To be honest, I haven't... Pl- I've been using the Game Watch a lot more as a clock than as a game device. And, um, yeah, I tried <clears> to... <throat> what? Shocking that I'm not playing a game device as oh, much. Okay. I know, right? Um, yeah. yeah. I think I learned by now. But no. no. No, but I mean, like... Because I could play Mario on the Switch, and I could play Mario on the game, my Game Boy Advance, and I could play Mario on probably my Wii, and my it's on so many things. But do you? What? <laughs> the Wii U? Uh, I... On which of those devices have you actually like sat down for, say, 50, let's say at least 30 minutes of just playing Mario World? I beat... I, I went know... through and re-beat the original Super Mario on the anniversary of the game's release back in September. So, on Switch. Oh, 2020? Yeah. So there you go. Look at you. I know, playing games. That almost felt like the equivalent of you going to Mass or something. (laughs) Yeah, I I had my religious (laughs) experience of the year. Prayed to St. Mario. I know, like, you lock the door, you play, like, some, like, subtle, like, Nintendo music hymns or something. And and praise... Your Nintendo... And praise... Your micro sweater or something. Yep, and praise St. Toadstool. Yes. Um, And... But no, it uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I went through it. Um, so there you go. You didn't expect me to have a real answer, did you? Take that. But no, not um, only did I not expect that, I didn't expect you to fully beat it. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, I used I mean, to, I used game, the warp. I used the warp shorter. zone to be fair, but I still made it through. Um, oh, but but uh, lost levels. I remember. I so I haven't really played that much on the game watch, but I remember in Mario All Stars, always finding it as a kid. So like. Not off-putting, but just being like, this just feels like a fake version of the other one. 
Like to your point about how it feels like they just rearrange things. Like this just feels like they just it's not again. It's just the other one, but different. And it I don't know. It threw me in a loop when I was a kid. So I, I kind of get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean Mario two, I guess Mario USA. Like it's just so different that it definitely feels like a. I mean, ignoring its history, like it always felt like, oh, it's like they really like went a lot of experimenting with this game for the sequel or whatever. I mean, it's definitely Mario 2. Wow, it's like such an old game, but I'm trying to remember like off the top of my head, like other sequels that stick really close to the original that most people would maybe call them like a 1.5 because it's pretty much the same game, just remixed versus. Well, I think of having almost everything I be mean, different. Kind of like Metroid Prime 2 to 3 or 1 to 2. Like, there's almost no reused assets. Like, even, like, the types of missiles and how the mechanics of the gun work are very different. Like, maybe, like, Country country Returns 1 to 2. I mean, it's kind of just more of the same. Yeah. Part country, of, uh, yeah, Donkey Kong Country Returns, I'd say, does it. Um, the whole new Super Mario Brothers series kind of does it. They slowly up each one. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, New Super Mario Brothers 1 to 2, I mean, all they did, Which they just had coin rush. Those games it. more than anything. Yeah, I, I think that's why like those games more than anything, like, I would say they're welcome so soon, just because they did end up feeling like they were just being made using, you know, a game maker of sorts, which sounds like it was true. I mean, I think the Mario Maker Maker was based off of, loosely based yep. off of the tools they used to make Mario games, and now they're just like... Yeah, here you go. We can't release any more 2D Mario games after this. So. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, yeah, and yeah, I mean, there's... there's uh, That's probably the most... They're going to have to really innovate in order to like make that franchise... Well, I guess well no, they don't. Work, they yeah. wait about five to seven more years, and then they just hit a reset button like they did with the new series. Because remember when new mm-hmm. Super Mario... Be like, oh, someone already made this in Mario Maker. But like, it's... Ah, but it's Nintendo design levels now. Or... They just keep re-releasing the same <laughs> one. I mean, I double dipped on New Super Mario Brothers U. I got it on Switch because it was like twenty-seven bucks or something. You did? I just did over um, during the, all the Christmas sales. Yeah, it was like twenty-seven, twenty-five bucks or something on GameStop in like early December. So I, I figured, hey, it could be. I mean, it could be the fun game to play with someone. Exactly. Else, so like, exactly. I, I can't totally blame you. And like you, you know, but, why I have to do my brother Wii U. and I did beat it or hundred. Yeah, this I don't think. The U version adds any more levels besides? No, it uh, it adds ca- it adds a uh, peachette, <laughs> and uh, I think yeah, and it. So I guess there was no reason for no. And it puts it puts um yeah. all the Luigi U content into the base game, but that that's about it. But I actually mm-hmm. haven't started playing it yet. But um, the Wii, the Switch version. But when I do, maybe I'll pop in and revisit because I do. I think Mario U, Super, New Super Mario Bros brothers you is probably the best of the mario new mario games because it's basically they reached the point of mario world again so you know because they did the whole loop basically so they went back to basics and worked their way back up so they're back to mario world with like the you know the hub world and everything and and i yeah it, it it's good i don't no, it, i agree and if for fo- that's definitely my favorite yeah one and for like of, folks who of... maybe burned out after all the other ones like mario we uh new super mario we is also very good but for folks who may burned out after that with like mario uh, new super mario 2 like if you somehow miss you on wii u and you can find it cheap enough on switch it is a very solid 2d mario game with some cool backgrounds on some of the levels, like the Starry Night one. I mean, each of them in a vacuum, like, I would say they're all pretty good. The only problem is that if you play every single one of them, they lose their charm very quickly. But, I, you know, if you yeah. somehow missed the 2D, the, the modern 2D Marios, they're, they're really good. I mean, I, they're I'll cool. never grow old of the music where, you know, it goes, bah, and all the characters look at the screen and dance. Like, 
it does get like four games in it you're like oh yeah they're gonna go bah again but i i love it every time i'm very easy to please <laughs> um yeah he literally cries every i do a single tear so if i play for a couple hours there's a whole pool of water by my feet at that point anyway mm-hmm. um let's talk about some games that aren't by nintendo whatsoever we did a lot of nintendo stuff but oh. yeah i mean uh to get back to our episode theme here uh, which I don't even think I said what the name of the episode is, did I? We're calling it What's Old is New. Yeah, what's the name of the episode? It's called What's Old is New because we're talking about um, classic established franchises. Or not necessarily Whoa, classic. We're like, a, we're like modern movies now. We don't even drop the I know. like 24 minutes I in. know. Like that was all just the uh, like the opening scene. And now we're getting to the meat and potatoes of the episode. The cold open. It was the cold open. It was the, um, the prologue if you will. Um, but now we're at the meat of the episode, which is what's old is new, because as I was saying at the top, when I was sort of supposed to say the name, we're going to talk about some games that are established franchises doing things outside their genre, outside their jurisdiction, if you will. Um, and there's two of them that I think both of us have played. Uh, the newer of the two is Minecraft Dungeons, which you and I have sunk in, I don't know, I'd say a fair amount of time into this past month, as it's the latest game in one of our weekly game nights we do with some friends. Um, and I think just before we even talk about it, just for some context for those listening, uh, this follows up our playthrough of Torchlight 2 with that same group of friends. So we're talking a group of pe- talking about a group of people who, for the most part, you know, want deep skill trees and lots of grinding for loot and to be as powerful as possible. And on the surface, Minecraft Dungeons doesn't really seem to offer any of that. <laughs> so much so that we almost didn't play it, but we, we took, you know, we dove in. We're now about a month into it. And Angel, I mean, how, how are you liking it so far? I honestly really, really like it. It's funny because um, all the all the negatives that we thought were negative in the beginning, I feel just ended up being positive. Oh, yeah. Like a lot of the biggest criticisms of the game was about how how there's basically no depth to character development. There's no real story to speak of. Like everything is just kind of mindless. But that is kind of perfect for what we needed. Like or just like the type of games we were trying to play, and. Like, I like that it, I don't have to learn or figure out, like, three different subsets of menus or types of gear to, like, attach to this character. I kind of just wanted to just dive in, maybe get a few spells, which is cool. Like, the game is very noncommittal to, like, what you want to learn. Yeah. Like, you just getting tired of this weapon? All right, cool, just get a new one. You're getting tired of that weapon? Cool, just get a new one. And upgrading them is super easy. It tells you right there what upgrading each section of your weapon will give you it's it's really good i i really like yeah it. i think the approachability of it is something that i i really really like because like i mean you know if the if you want to sort of like grind heavy dungeon cars like diablo um this is lighter fare this is it's like definitely not for this is like diet diablo but, but if you, you but know. the thing i found is like if you like games like gauntlet from back in like the n64 gamecube days or you know more recently maybe marvel ultimate alliance possibly is a good comparison like i feel like dungeons sort of straddles the line between being like those but offering a little more depth in the direction of diablo like on the surface it certainly has less than diablo or torchlight or what have you like there are no character classes there's no specific skill trees um instead you're ranking up your character by changing out their items like you kind of mentioned angel and uh different item combos can give you different abilities and you can kind of mix and match until you're all squared away which you know kind of goes to your point about if you want to swap something you just swap something so you've got like 
just to explain it for folks who haven't played, you got three categories. You have items, you have artifacts, you have enhancements. And the first, which is items, is, you know, physical weaponry, of which you can have one short range weapon and one long range weapon, along with your equipable clothing like armor and boots and that sort of thing. And depending on what you wear, you can boost or change your weaponry's uh, abilities or your own key stats, like how much damage you can take or how fast you can move, that sort of thing. And then there's bucket number two, which uh, are things you collect called artifacts. And that is up to three special abilities you can equip at any time to allow you to pull off special moves like shooting a firework at enemies or blowing them back with gust of wind or creating a healing bubble for your party or summoning like assistance animals like bees and bats and llamas. And um, to ensure you don't spam these special moves, they have respawn times that are determined by how quickly you can collect souls of fallen enemies. So every time you kill someone, a little blue orb appears and you get it. And your ability to collect souls can be enhanced depending on the weapons you equip. So you can already kind of see, you know, for folks who haven't played, you maybe can already sense sort of the interplay between the different items and how it comes together a bit. But then they add this third wrinkle on top, which you also kind of alluded to, Angel, um, enhancements and how you can see in real time how things will change based on what you do. And these are, like, I guess the best comparison I can think of is they're the equivalent of experience points almost. Like, you get them when you level up. Um, but they have the added bonus of being reassignable. So you can add, I think, up to three enhancements on any given weapon or item, uh, which can... It right? depends on the oh, it weapon. Depends. Okay. But essentially, any weapon can have potentially up to three enhancements. So you can have a, like a sword that every time you deal with damage, you'll get healed or will automatically throw snowballs to stun enemies. But for the most part, depending on your level, you might find a weapon that just has one of those. But from each of the, I guess, from each of the slots to give an enhancement, mm-hmm. you usually have three options you can pick from, and then the one you pick from, you're essentially committing to just that one, and the other ones go away. But because of that, I don't know. It's just really cool how, I guess, quickly you could go from weapon to weapon. Like y- you could definitely tell this was like designed for, like for kids. Yeah, because yeah. you know, like Minecraft has like it's really or a wide better way to put it is for like, it appeals to ideas. So so because it. It has a very, you know, just a lower entry point. And it's also like, you know, because of like the attention span, attention span thing. Yeah. As soon as you get tired of one thing, you are seconds away from completely changing how you play and, you know, just finding something that clicks. And that, and that's actually what, um, is particularly nice is like, if you want to scrap your item, you're not losing your enhancements. It doesn't like penalize you for changing your mind to your point about making it more approachable and, you know, short attention span. Like you can take back your enhancements with zero penalty or specific action required. Just press a button. You get your enhancement points back. The item scrap. You do something else. And I think like that, like that little thing in particular is kind of the embodiment of how nicely streamlined dungeons really feels. Cause like you want to change something, just change it. Like Torchlight 2 when we were doing it, if you wanted to swap out the equivalent of, um, enhancements which were gems you could do it and you weren't penalized but you had to go to a person in town only one in the hub yada yada like minecraft is like oh hey you want to change it okay two button presses you're done it's fine and it that's kind of like for me that's been the whole experience that's been really nice is everything's just more like to the point like there's only one type of loot loot just 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 loot just like money that's it you don't have to worry about different objects to do different things with different shopkeepers like artifacts are just artifacts you don't need to get like some other type of mana or like whatever to take to a guy just to reveal what an ability is that you may want to use at which point you can then equip it like it's all just instant and it's really nice although (laughs) now that i think about it on some level it is extremely ironic because minecraft is a game about crafting 
and they're literally removing everything about crafting from dungeons unless they're trying to say oh well you're crafting your ideal character i guess or you know picking your own path and stuff so it they definitely want to get the identity of it they like sacrifice the identity of minecraft you know in order to get what we have now which you know as we've kind of been i guess for better or worse gushing over um yeah it works but it's not really minecraft yeah and that's what's kind of weird yeah it it like i i for sure get a gauntlet vibe from it which i really like but yeah it's not it's not minecraft um it's just a, it's like a skin laid on not top my of, Minecraft, not your Minecraft. I mean, well, it's funny because like it looks like uh, Minecraft. The aesthetic of Minecraft looks really nice. Yeah, yeah like like it actually looks honestly. Really, really it nice. like the Minecraft angle may be purely cosmetic and maybe like a marketing move. Like you're you know a creeper can be a zombie like in this game. It really doesn't matter. Like they're just creepers, so they could call it Minecraft. But where it really benefits, yeah, is the rich visuals. Like I absolutely love the look of the game. I think the blockiness really helps it stand out in a genre that's so full of you know medieval fantasy vibes. Um and like just the visual effects on top of the blockiness, like the lighting and stuff. Like it's really impressive. Even on Switch, like I'm I'm. Su- Surprised at how graphically intense this game is on Switch. Like it slowed down my Switch a few on a few occasions, even when docked. But it's just like, wow, they made that much of an inter- like it's that pretty that it's breaking my Switch essentially. Like that's it's it's surprising. You would think it wouldn't be like that. Um, but you're you're not playing it on Switch, right? You're playing it on PC. I'm actually playing. Yeah, I'm playing it on PC thanks to some deal where it's like one dollar for three months of Game Pass. It's like, well. I don't know if this is going to take us three months to beat. So, <laughs> well, it, yeah, I mean, so far it's cool. I mean, thanks to Game Pass, I've also been playing like the ukulele and the Impossible Lair, and how is that? Checking out Killer Instinct. I, I mean, I, I just started it. I mean, control wise, I mean, it feels literally just like I'm playing Donkey Kong Country. Hmm. So impressions. I mean, I guess that's like next, the the game that decided to get inspired. Impressions by. next episode, perhaps, so, per chance. I'm very curious um, about. It. I know you're playing on Xbox. Impressions, but... impressions, impressions will definitely be coming. Okay. Um, how soon? I don't know. Because I actually want to beat right, it. Fair. Because it's kind of like Breath of the Wild structure. You either can actually try and beat the impossible there from the get go, or you can play through the game to get these little bees that allow you to take extra hits while the impossible there. Interesting. So yeah, it's literally like Breath of the Wild in that in structure. Interesting. I would not have guessed that. Which is kind of yeah. Cool. That that's kind of cool. Um, I was going to say though, cause you were talking about, how, you know, we were talking about how you are playing this on PC. Like that's another thing about like, just to keep praising this game that I really had no expectations yeah. for. Like the, the cross platforming yeah. is always, cool. I mean, it's not, I really appreciate that stuff. it's not perfect. It's a bit finicky. Like we've had people's games crash on a few occasions, but because, you know, Minecraft or Microsoft owns one of the largest server platforms in the world, they're savvy enough to actually be running all this server side. So like if you, if you fall out, if you drop out, if it freezes, you come back it's as if nothing happened you have all your progress you're picking up where you left off like it's surprisingly even though it's a little finicky in getting crossplay working when it doesn't work it's very smooth and getting back up and running if that makes sense um but and i to to the streamlining point like something i do want to call out is how nice it is to do co-op in this game i mean obviously like doing co-op in any game you know you you go to the lobby you select the guy you're done but like Compared to Torchlight, this is just so much better because, you know, after – both of them get you in the game the same way. But after you get in the game, like with Torchlight, it's like good luck. If you get separated, it's on you. There's no on-screen indicators really of where to go. You kind of get a sense of where folks are from like a mini-map with a rough estimate of their direction. 
but not really. You can warp from like predetermined warp portals or equip a limited use item to warp, but that's kind of it. Like, and you're only playing with people on the same platform. So Torchlight like feels very limited, but like with mm-hmm. Minecraft Dungeons, like, and we had so many times where we get set up, uh, split up and not know where to go. But with Dungeons, it's really nice because at any moment, if you're playing on Switch, at least, I don't know what the control is for you, but you click the right stick, you could warp to someone. And they have these built-in emotes that are displayed in such a way that will tell you, you know, someone finds rare loot or whatever, or says they do, even if they don't, Angel. You do that a lot. Um, but, uh, you know. Well, that's because on computer, um, normally you want to play the, normally you play computer games with, WASD, mm-hmm. but in this one it goes to wherever you click the mouse. So you have to click the mouse at a certain location. Oh, there. I see. So you're so you're either constantly clicking or just holding the mouse. But initially, and you know, just because it's really hard muscle memory to just control any game with WASD, yeah. um, W sends out a message to everybody saying "loot here." Well, I thought you were just trolling here. us because there's a hundred percent something you would do. <laughs> but uh it is uh, something 100 percent thing i would do but yeah it was just the, it wasn't not getting used to the that's controls funny. but yeah what, what's nice about even that is like a little head pops up of who the guy is that's saying it and then you could just hit the right stick and warp to that person easy like ideally you know you'd be using moving in a unit anyway especially it's literally but, dungeon crawler colon quality of life pretty much i mean even there, the one thing i love that i wish more dungeon cars did was there is a little on-screen marker that shows you where to go next like it's like an arrow that points you in a direction when you get there it's like a little like okay you're here now here's the next arrow like it's so nice um yeah so so now the one thing with all approach but we kept mentioning it's sort of a game for kids or you know it's kid friendly i I don't know how you feel about Angel, but I Uh-oh. feel that the accessibility actually doesn't hold it back from being difficult. Like, it was easy early on, but it ramped up pretty oh, quick. Oh, yeah. Be, yeah. yeah. I, I meant more in, like, just being able to understand oh, yeah. Yeah, what to do, everything. All of that is kid-friendly, but the game itself can still be just as challenging. Because you, it, you definitely have to, I guess for lack of a better term, like, respect it. Like, because... I don't know. At least that's like the mentality I had. Like, oh, this is gonna be a cakewalk. It's like Minecraft Dungeons. Like, it's probably not gonna be that hard, yeah. even on like a blank dip, like a standard difficulty. But it's like, nope. If you split up, you are definitely gonna die. Even and if you don't split up, I don't sometimes know if I can you be die. Any truer than yeah, and it's because um, like we have a friend that in Torchlight Two, like they were a tank. So like, it, I think it was they rarely died, yeah. if ever. But in this game, they still like to play their lone wolfness, and now they're constantly dying, like almost like every other second. Yep. And if and because they're so separated from us, um, after maybe thirty seconds of not reviving a teammate, something called the darkness appears, and it's basically just a bird that you can't kill that just starts dealing damage at you at frequent intervals, and it yeah, so you're basically just gonna die at some point. So and the, and the yeah, game also the, has a, a shared three lives per dungeon. So if someone die, you can collectively everyone if everyone dies, you get three shots at that dungeon. If you all you know if the birds kill you on everything and you're all dead, you get to it three times and that resets, which is kind of nice because it gives you a chance if you do screw up. But bad if your friend continues to lone wolf because then you just keep restarting the dungeon. And you do respond at the exact point you died, it's which really is really nice. Because, you know, you don't have to, like, redo any sections and stuff like that. But if someone is still alone and you're in the middle of a boss battle, then yeah, they're probably just going to end up dying again. Yeah, so you can burn through those lives really quickly. Um, what, you know, one interesting thing they're doing, though, to try and keep the challenge up 
is they've essentially, and this is probably also because it's a big game on Xbox, uh, you know, on Game Pass, is they have turned Minecraft Dungeons into kind of a games of service type of release. So there are actually some cool things like that we've even done collectively that I like that there are like da- daily challenges that use existing dungeons, but with tweaked situations. So maybe the enemies aren't visible now, but you can move 30% fast, faster and dish out like 1.5 times the damage or something like that. And that is kind of nice because it feels like another thing with the approachability and the difficulty is it doesn't feel like you're just grinding for loot over and over. Like you are grinding for loot somewhat, but because they have these different scenarios and whatnot, it actually feels like you're doing something new each time. Like it doesn't feel repetitive or monotonous. And I kind of like that. And then simultaneously on the monetized side of things, uh, they're actually – pumping out a bunch of dlc for this game they already released two standalone releases which if you get the hero edition of dungeons on the eShop or physical um has included in it but uh they're also introducing they just did in december right when we started coincidentally a season pass so there are going to be four dlc releases the first of which howling peaks is already out and each is going to include new areas enemies gear so to your point angel that we could finish it in three months while your game pass trial is still going i don't know this is how they're going to try and hook us they got the DLC. They got the season. I mean, class. we could definitely beat the base game. Yeah. I, I think at the end we'll either decide, yeah, let's keep going, or or we're over it. Yeah. Oh man, then I have to start paying. Like, but uh, it is at that point. I may just cancel Game Pass and just get it on the Switch. Or something. <laughs> but and, and all your progress transfers over because crossplay. Um. But yeah, it is. It is interesting oh, really? to see how like it feels like in men. It feels like this game was really made for Game Pass, where they're like, okay, here's a game that like people will try base level for free and then we can rope them in with dlc and daily challenges and new season passes and it's uh it's an interesting sort of swerve to how games are usually done because this was on game pass day one but of course all the dlc you have to pay extra for even on game pass i think so pretty clever Mm. um i'm curious though before we wrap up minecraft dungeon we kind of touched on it but does the game being set in the minecraft world with that Minecraft aesthetic, did it like have a influence on you? I, I guess what I mean is, do you have any interest? Did you no. have interest? Okay, yeah, because I guess what I'm getting at is like the whole reason you would make a spinoff, right? Is like if you have, you want to interest people in picking it up because they have a I past mean, association with the Minecraft. Fact it was or, Minecraft. Yeah, definitely put it on my radar more than literally any of the Nightcrawler, just because I know Minecraft. <laughs> right, did, but did it? Did right, it? Yeah. Did you then circle back to Minecraft? Are you interested in going back to core Minecraft now because you've kind of been in the world in a different angle? Oh, I mean, I'm I'm always interested in going back to core Minecraft. It's definitely one I revisit from time to time. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I could say this definitely helps in that. I mean, because I'm seeing it more often, right. it just makes me want to play it more. Right. Because I mean, ultimately, right? That's but what yeah. these sort of spinoff games exist to do. They're either exposing the IP to a new audience to a genre they it. ha. But yeah, they're either exposing an audience to a genre they already play, a new audience, to the IP, or they're bringing fans of an IP to a new genre. And I guess for you it worked, but it's interesting because I found that like as much as I like Dungeons, and we've been talking very high praise about it, I feel like, um, and it looks great in Minecraft World, like nothing in it is driving me towards Minecraft. Like it just feels so self-contained on its own that I'm happy just like, all right, I got my Minecraft. This must be what Minecraft is like. And there's like nothing wrong with that per se for me. Oh, man. Or like, you know, for the game's vision. It's just something I picked up on when I was playing it compared with like the other familiar IP different genre game that I've been playing lately, which is Crash Team Racing, which does feel so much more tied into its world. Like this feels isolated by comparison. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Um, definitely. Yeah, which I guess kind of brings us to 
the other game I've been playing this past week, uh, Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled, and I know you have it too, I think. Um, so it'd be on... Yeah, I've had it since release. Right, on PS4, right? Mm. Yeah, so so to be honest... Gotta stay true to the roots. The, right, of course. He's a PlayStation guy through and through, that Crash Bandicoot. Uh, so to... Well, no, to, to the roots of the game, because I, I was initially a big fan of it when I played it on the one. PS1. Yeah. Um, Fair. Yeah, but I was going to say, honestly, the only reason I'm even playing this game is because Nintendo is doing a one-week free game trial for Switch Online members. So if you subscribe to Switch Online, you can download and play Nitro Fueled in its entirety for free. Your save data will transfer over to the full game after the trial period ends on January 5th, should you buy it. And uh, yeah, it's interesting because like, much like Minecraft, I've only lightly dabbled in the core Crash games. So what jumped out to me when thinking about how these two games are kind of the same idea of putting something familiar in a new genre is that Nitro Fuel does a much better job in my mind of making me want to know more about the Crash universe, like the core universe. Like Minecraft Dungeons is its own little siloed off thing. Crash Team Racing feels like an endless series of references and call-outs that I'm actually kind of like, okay, who's this? Or what's the significance? Or why? You know? I mean, not, not that Minecraft Dungeons doesn't have the capability of, I guess, just oozing character. I mean, it just has, it just oozes aesthetic. Yeah. The Crash Team Racing, like, because of, like, it's over-the-top animations and just how zany it can be, like, yeah, it definitely stands out way more in mm-hmm. way. It, 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 would get that it also kind of zigs where Dungeons zagged in a different way, because Minecraft Dungeons, you know, we were talking about how it's um, taking a complicated experience of dungeon crawlers and making it more accessible to a different audience, right? And, you know, like we were saying, Footmark is expanding mm-hmm. Minecraft's footprint uh, for its fans than bringing in new folks from the genre. So like it's more like, hey, kids like Minecraft, let's give them a light dungeon crawler, not let's give these dungeon crawler loving, like hardcore Diablo fans a Minecraft experience. But CTR, from everything I've played the past few days since the trial started. Almost does the opposite. I yes, would say. exactly. It's very yeah. much a game for Crash fans that assumes you already know the basics of the kart racing genre and want something deeper. And really, it reminds me a lot – I'd be curious about your take in a sec here, but I just got to say it reminds me a lot of Diddy Kong Racing in that they both kind of work off the same foundation of, okay, there's Mario Kart. Let's differentiate from that, which means for both of them, there's an adventure mode that strings together various tracks like a hub world and a bit of a story. They both try to add like a layer on top of the core racing. Really well done adventure mode. Yeah, I only dabbled in it a little. I mostly wanted to experience yeah. all the tracks, so that's the thing I didn't do a ton of, but – it, it, yeah, tell me about the adventure mode, yeah, actually. That, that will it? definitely give you a lot of Diddy Kong. I mean, that will give you the most, like, Diddy Kong racing vibes because, you know, like you mentioned, you have a hub world. Mm-hmm. Every world is themed. You go through a few races. There's a few races where you have to just collect things. And then there's always a boss race at the end where the enemy will have, like, some kind of, like, special ability or something. And, I don't know, it's just really cool. It, like, it literally takes you back to Diddy Kong racing, right. especially because, you know, they all have, like, fun little cutscenes where... They kind of talk about themselves. I mean, also the aesthetic, let's be real here. Like the Polynesian vibe of Crash is not too far removed from the jungle vibe of the Kong universe. So like the music's kind of similar. There's some visual similarities. They even like borrow from Donkey Kong Country the idea of uh, collecting uh, letters around. So obviously in Donkey Kong Country, you spell out Kong by finding little letters hidden in the level. Here you spell out CTR by finding levels in the track. I mean uh, letters in the track. So there's definitely some – 
parallels. Like they're really well hidden, yeah. but yeah. yeah. Yeah, I have barely found any, to be honest. But yeah, they're, um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's one way that they're kind of similar. But the other thing I thought was interesting is they both try to add a layer on top of the core kart racing. So Diddy Kong introduced other vehicles and that was kind of, it's out. It was like, oh, well, we're not just cars. We're also hovercrafts and planes. And then Crash was like, well, we're going to stick with cars, but we're going to change up how boosting works. So it's actually a two part mechanic now, right? Like you first drift to fill a meter. By tapping one shoulder button, and only mm-hmm. when the meter's in its sweet spot, you tap the other shoulder button to activate the boost. And from everything I can tell, um, so far with Crash, it kind of like Diddy Kong puts a much bigger emphasis on racing and your skill at that and the timing of your boosts than the sort of roulette wheel of luck that makes or breaks a race in Mario Kart. Would you say that's a fair assessment as someone who's actually played a lot more of it? Yeah, it's a way more competitive version because, just like you said, DDCon Racing like put less emphasis on the items. Like they are definitely there, mm-hmm. and they have like a cool upgrade system, but they're not randomized. Like you know what item you're getting every single time because mm-hmm. you know they're color coded. But in this one, while you do have random items, there are I would say much less chaotic. Like every single item in there can be dodged in some way. Even like their blue shell equivalent isn't as threatening as the blue shell. Yeah, you shell. just jump enough times and it goes away. But <laughs> yeah, it really just comes down to like the way you drift. Cause that game has the drifting mechanic is super in depth and even more, even more than like I was able to master. Like, cause that thing is tough. You really have to like commit time to it. Like you would Smash Brothers or any other game. Cause essentially like as you're drifting, you know, you, and, and what's nice about this game is that because of its fidelity, you can actually see like the perfect time to boost, like when the tires are. Blowing. There's also a giant meter on the that, side that that you can pick one of three styles. So if mm-hmm. you need it to be more in your yeah, face, e- either one works. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I usually find it easier just to look at the tire, yeah, just because you know, like I'm already looking at the my kart racer as I'm true, racing. True, but but what's it called the. Pretty much every time you successfully like boost at the the top of the meter or at the perfect timing of the tire, um, you're storing boost. There's like a hidden gauge that is just like storing all these boosts. And the next time you go off of a ramp or like a big jump, that would normally grant you a like a decently length boost depending on how high the jump is. You will suddenly like just like go off. Like you will either have like a blue flame or like a green flame depending on how much boost you stored but if you have the green flame or the blue flame or either one as soon as you hit that if you manage to not crash huh. or spin out or get hit by anything the name of the game um you can actually keep you can actually keep that boost going on forever as long as you keep maintaining multiple drift drift boosts so it's almost like someone played actually no this predates snaking is like Someone really saw like the boost mechanic and just tried to revolve the game around it because it really does feel like the game revolves around this boost mechanic and the, from the drifting. So my, which in turn makes it not super approachable. I feel like most people that come from Mario Kart probably won't find this game as fun just because it's a little less chaotic and you might see yourself just like not catching up to other players as fast as you would in Mario Kart, but. You, uh, yeah, it, it definitely has a higher skill ceiling. You're describing my experience with the game almost to a T. I mean, I, 
it definitely has a level of like not obtuseness but there's there's a level it's not as approachable i'll say like minecraft dungeons is for dungeon crawling i mean when i first booted the game, well first of all when i booted the game for some inexplicable reason it took me through so many like legalese things like i had to go through i kid you not 84 pages of privacy policy in terms of service legalese and then once you get going like i don't know if ps4 is probably the load the load times because well, i mean it does so have slow where you're saying it doesn't have quite a loot system but be- i guess i mean i mean it does have like in-game purchases it does have like a rotating stock of things so i'm guessing they're trying to cover everything as but far like, as think about like think about like any other game you don't go through that many terms of services like it's crazy but even beyond that like are load times okay for you because on the switch like everything i mean that from track to track from menu no, to they're, menu they're, they're, they're definitely on the longer side not super long on the because i was playing this on the ps4 pro mm, okay so while they're definitely not as long as the switches they're from what i can tell um just from a bunch of comparison videos i've watched it's definitely as long as um no it's definitely longer than yeah it was on i the mean PS4. even when picking your cart like you can choose it and move on to the next screen before the render of the character in the cart you show uh you chose even like appear like <laughs> like you can move fair, past smash brothers and... can't seem to load a jpeg like, that's right true yeah i mean it's screen. yeah it it, it ain't but great yeah. across the board but anyway my point was um those are kind of side notes really to your point yeah i think like as a primarily mario kart player i did have a lot of opportunities to uh shall we say get tripped up by crash team racing i mean like perhaps the most in my face was that you accelerate with b for some reason and the and the shoulder bumpers, opposed to the actual more comfortable triggers, are used for drifting and boosting. So already my muscle memory is all out of whack. It definitely took some adjusting. Um, but I do think, and you know, there was like a screen where you can go through the the hints and everything, and it tells you, or like not they call it hints, but it's really gameplay instructions with voiceover, and they tell you some of the boosting, but they don't explain the daisy chaining combos you're describing. Um, but I think there were like, as a Mario Kart eight, as someone coming from Mario Kart eight. Uh, I definitely see there are some pros and cons of comparing it to Mario Kart 8. Like, I think the biggest pro for me is that CTR just seems to offer a lot more. I mean, we already talked about the adventure mode, but then that, you know, that's on top of online and offline racing, a battle mode, pretty much everything that comes in standard Mario Kart, plus the stuff you're Dude, describing with the, the store and everything. And stuff. Like, yeah, and, and this that. one, at least, like, at least, at least for what it offers as a game, like, I feel like blows Mario Kart 8 out of the water. Oh, yeah. Just in terms yeah. of, like, what I feel Mario Kart 8 should have been. Because this game not only has, like, every track from CTR, they also have tracks from Nitro Racing. I guess, like, the sequel to it. Mm-hmm. And some tracks from some other game. And it's literally, it's basically an everybody. It's a Smash Ultimate of CTR. Yeah. Like, every character you can imagine is there. They even added, like, the Trophy Girls as playable characters. They added, like, I think Spyro is a character in this mm-hmm. game. And, mm-hmm. like, some characters from that universe. It's... Yeah, but it, it's bananas. it is really nice to see that they didn't swap one new feature for another bananas. existing feature. They just, I heard, you should have said it's Wampa Fruit, but they, they just kept like stacking features, which is really nice. And also just like the depth of customization. Like I was impressed to see that you can unlock and choose different skins per character on top of the character and carts themselves. You could customize, like I was saying before, where the turbo gauges, you like everything is kind of, there's even, and maybe you can explain this one to me, Angel, there's even custom driving styles you can assign independent of characters so there's like turn acceleration balanced from what i can tell they seem to be separate sets of effects on your cart's handling and its abilities yeah it's pretty much like sonic Stars racing transform okay. they also had that feature where it slightly tweaks the stats of your driver so that it's still 
they still fall within their weight class or how they're supposed to be driving, but it'll lean more towards one of those, you know, via speed, handling, acceleration, or whatever. Right, right. And um, that, that makes sense, yeah. So do the carts have different abilities themselves as well or different stats, or is it just through the no, they should. driving styles? I mean, they should all have – yeah, it should just be through the driving styles for okay, the most yeah. part. Yeah, so they just kind of divide up what Mario Kart's carts do in a different way, I guess. Um yeah, but on the on the flip side, you know, so those are all some great pros. Like having that much content, really good. But on the flip side, like the con for me, it, uh, for me at least personally, was it really took. And you sort of alluded to this. Like you have to like learn it. It really took time to adapt to the handling of these carts. Like I feel like with Mario Kart, you pick up and go pretty quickly. But here, even after multiple cups, I felt like I was still kind of like off in my drifting, and it was costing me races. Since you know, as we discussed, like skill actually matters in this game. It definitely, definitely has that. Learning <laughs> like, yeah, curve. you don't want that. No, no, you don't. No, but it like my point is like there's actually a learning curve, and like I, I imagine when you first got on PS4, there was a bit of a learning curve for you too at that point. Or did or did it just like click right away for you? I mean, I went in knowing it was going to feel a lot different, so mm-hmm. I don't think there was any kind of like, oh man, like this feels weird. It was more like, all right, like all right, this is kind of how I remember it. Just gotta get used to. Right. Doing the multiple boosts again. Right. Yeah. And, and knowing Look that now, I can't believe the game doesn't tell you that because that, in my mind, would shake up so much of it. Like, I would be trying to boost. Like, I was just trying to drift around corners and get boosts when doing so. If I knew I want to like, constantly boost and time it with the jumps, which I know can give you a little boost if you do a stunt off them, like, I would have played it differently, I guess. I don't know. Um, and it's not really a pro or con, but there is the one thing that's true of the genre is that it it's simply on some level inescapable to not look at ctr and compare it to like nintendo's racers i mean we already talked about the polynesian theme kind of matching day kong's vibe um but perhaps the most egregious example for me were some of the track designs really stuck out i mean to be fair there are some really neat original ideas there's one called sewer speedway that's like a giant half pipe you're barreling down with some like narrow tubes that connect in different parts i thought that was really cool but then you get to a track like tiny arena and it's straight up wario stadium from Mario Kart 64 or like cortex castle is such a bowser's castle wannabe like it it, it has a lot of sharp squared off turns it has enemies that drop down from above to hit you like it feels so similar never mind another track whose name um currently escapes me that straight up does snapping piranha plants along the sides that can grab you except here they just look like venus fly traps not piranha plants like it's not the end of the world obviously games wear inspiration on their sleeves especially when they're in the same genre but just really stuck out to me compared to most that some of these tracks you know really borrowed some ideas which which weirdly contrasting it with the gameplay also made it that much more clear how much of a different driving experience they're trying to make out of it because you're in these tracks that feel so familiar or feel like kind of riffs or knockoffs, but the mechanics feel so different. So it's not really a pro or con, it's just kind of an observation I have when playing it, I guess. But like, I don't know. Um, yeah, and I appreciate that, like, you know, I, they set out to make something different gameplay mechanic wise and they did seem to achieve it. It just, for me at least, I think my assessment is it didn't fully click. Like maybe now that I know the boosting thing, I'll give it another go. The trial lasts for I think two more days, so I can give it another shot. But um, yeah, I would give it another yeah. try. But I think it's I don't know if it'll make that much of a difference because I feel like people that like Mario Kart like it for its specific form of handling and chaos. And chaos. I right. feel like people that would prefer CTR are those that are playing Mario Kart and aren't really satisfied with the randomness of it and just want something a little more. 
Well, so, I guess I don't want to say competitive, but because I mean, because market can be competitive. Actually, yeah, that is a good. Because I mean, Mario no, Kart. That's a fair one. Mario Kart. You know, does, Mario like, 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 like I've come to learn. Yeah, it, it's just you're just supposed to have fun and just enjoy your time. It's not really meant to be this <laughs> I like, hardcore competitive game. This one, I feel, lends itself much more to that. I like the uh, patronizing tone you took when describing how you're just supposed to have fun. <laughs> um, all right. Well, here's a question then. And let me ask you this question. So, if you had to choose, what would you say? your all-time favorite kart racing game is? Did you racing? Oh, interesting. Okay. And what makes you say that? Because I feel it has a nice balance between those two games, Mario Kart and CTR. Fair. <laughs> like that one, I do like that. Um, I think the item mechanic is a lot more interesting in DD Kong Racing. Mm-hmm. I love that you can just upgrade it. Like You get rewarded for committing on to not using your item. And just waiting until you get the three balloons, you can get the maximum amount. Mm-hmm. There are some nuances to drifting that aren't ever taught to you. You just kind of have to figure it out. And Diddy Kong Racing as well, like letting go of... Um, actually, that's not even... It's more of a boost thing, but letting go of the accelerator, of the acceleration, when you're going over a boost pad actually gives you a much, much bigger boost than you would if you're just holding A normally. You know, as you normally would, but mm-hmm. they never tell you that. In fact, that's like one of the only ways you can even beat with Pig initially. Otherwise, he'll just keep passing you. So the fact that we managed to beat him without using that technique is just amazing. But um, wait, toot your own horn at the end there. But yeah. <laughs> oh no 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 well, no! I, I said with we. I know. I, I know. It kind of includes like my brother and my sister because I played it with them. But yeah, it's it makes a big difference. And right. Also, I just love the the variety of just using the hovercraft and the airplane, which I did have fun a lot of fun using. Um. Yeah, and you know the bosses. A lot of things are just just click more with me in that game. Right. It's right. not as intensive. I feel like if I still want, if I wasn't satisfied with Diddycon Racing, then I would probably still go to CTR, or I would go to CTR after. The one, the one thing I noticed about uh, Diddycon back in the day, and even CTR now, is it they do seem a little slower than Mario Kart. Like CTR on Switch runs at thirty frames, Mario Kart's at sixty, and you kind of notice it. Like it does seem a little slower but um that's not necessarily a nice knock against it just one thing they have in common i picked up on and i think for that reason on some level the 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 elements of chaos the the speed the the kind of looser gameplay the more katie i guess you could say gameplay i've always leaned more towards the mario karts myself um i think it's it's tricky if i had to pick an all-time favorite one i mean if i ask you a question i should be able to answer it myself right i'm thinking ssx tricky is a great game by the way side note because you said that <laughs> um but I, it's probably mario kart ds or mario kart 8 i think 8's the stronger ds let oh, me explain right. i yeah, think 8's right. the stronger actual game of the two um it doesn't have everything it could but it has a lot it has the most tracks has the most you know most characters it has the most customization in a mario kart like it's very strong but mario kart ds was kind of like the right game at the right time like you know the first one online i played a lot of it online in high school with a friend or two uh, mainly one friend. Let's be one friend. It was, it was just one friend. <laughs> but um, yeah, like it really like, and they had like the little you can customize your cart with your little emblem, and then you had that online, and like it was just the it really clicked with me in that moment. So I think for nostalgia, personal preference, Mario Kart DS. But as a best, if Mario Kart's my favorite series, the best one of them is hands down eight. Even if the gravity thing was kind of not needed. It's just you're driving upside down. Like, it doesn't actually change anything. I mean, it's definitely the best Mario Kart. Yeah, exactly. definitely yeah. not my favorite kart racer. Right. 
Because I mean, a, I mean DS. I don't know. I guess I would still have more nostalgia for Diddy Kong Racing, but I mean DS is great. I mean, snaking. Yeah, everyone loves snaking. Yeah, um, yeah, but, snaking was. I mean, I, I, mean yeah. I, I mean, I like I like snaking, but like I feel like the problem with snaking is that it almost felt it almost it pretty much turned it into CTR in my eyes. Like at that point, because it became a game much more about like drift control. Except this one was, it kind of took. I guess the, I guess the constant drift boost from CTR and it just kind of put them on steroids. I feel like in a negative way, and and in like an unplanned like way. That I played the game would probably, wait, what? I was gonna say in an unplanned way. I don't think Nintendo anticipated snaking being what it was, at all. Oh, <laughs> like like it was the, it was the no, meta yeah, yeah. that kind of like the fan community that kind of took it off and made it a thing, or took off with it and made it a thing. But yeah, yes, it was it, a fun technique to you. I mean, at first, but ultimately it boils down to who has the most, like, endurance in their thumb. Yeah. Because you will, like, wreck your thumb doing that. Just, like, shimming it back and forth nonstop the entire race. And after a while, that just doesn't really become as fun. It's like, I don't want to have to, like, kill my thumb in order to win a race. I mean, I never really did much snaking. I, I, like, when my friend and I played online, we didn't really snake. When we played I mean, if it wasn't each for other, snaking, we probably wouldn't have. But uh, what are you gonna say? Yeah, I mean, I mean, like as much as like I'm kind of like talking down on snaking now. If it wasn't for snaking, we probably wouldn't have played that game as much as we did. But looking back at it, it definitely wasn't as good of a thing as I feel people think it was. I think on Crash Team Racing, at least, even if it does have like a more complex, not as intuitive drift mechanic, though the put the time into learning, I think we'll get really, really rewarded. Right. Right. Yeah. I think it goes right. back to what you're saying at the top that, you know, it, it has, a, it's like smash where you, you train and then you learn and it becomes a better game as a result for you in general. Mm-hmm. Um, this does open the door to a broader question though. So if, if crash and Mario and even Sonic, you mentioned Sonic all-star racing, you know, literally a character who runs fast, if they can all have their own racing games, like it's no big deal. Like what other, spin-offs of established IPs could be cool to see. I mean, obviously not every single game needs a kart racer, but say you spin off any franchise, what or say you can spin off any franchise, what would you want it to be? Like what is your dream spin-off or what franchise do you think is ripe for an opportunity that hasn't been taken yet? If you had to pick a couple or one. Oof, ripe for an opportunity, I mean I feel like a lot of the ones that I would rather say, like the opportunities kind of came and went. Okay, let me rephrase. Which one would you like to see? Never mind the right for an opportunity. You're right, because timing's important. We'll get to timing it in a few minutes, I suspect. But as we talk this through, I'm guessing. But yeah, if you could pick something. I mean, the the obvious answer that I think like literally anyone with like a pulse would say is Rhythm Heaven Racers. I mean, (laughs) wait, what? (laughs) I, I don't know how Rhythm Heaven Racers, I don't know how Nintendo can do it. But I feel only they can somehow turn a, just create like a party multiplayer racing game that is somehow still tied to the rhythm. I guess the best way to do it would be that every single course has obstacles that are set to the rhythm of the track's music. And you kind of have to dodge them at your own, with your own controls or somehow, actually, I guess it would have to incorporate item usage. Maybe all the items are synced to the music of the track. Which means that in some stages, like where the tempo is a lot higher, the items are maybe a little easier to use or faster to use or tougher to use. 
I don't know, but I think that would be really cool. So how and how uh, so is it more Nintendo so would have to figure out? You're matching. You're like on like your Karate own. Joe would be like driving on a TV cart or something. Like but, no customizable carts. Everyone just has their own cart. That's like themed to them. But are you, are you thinking like you're all on your own individual track, and then you throw items at each other that will affect how you progress on the track, almost like a multiplayer guitar hero? Oh no 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 or are you no! You're like you're actually like, driving. You're, you're 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 all on the same track, Mario mm, Kart style. Okay okay. I already see the commercial. Yeah, I mean, or, they got Beyonce for the original Rhythm Heaven. Now expand it to her whole family for the racing game, the multiplayer one. You get, you know, Solange and, and Blue Ivy and Jay Z. All I imagine Jay Z would pick Jimmy T because they're both just that cool. Um, yeah, I, I I see the commercial more than I see the game. <laughs> but <laughs> that's an interesting idea. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely. I mean, that's definitely my more like out there. I would love to see it just because I just want to see something Rhythm Heaven related. Yeah, but. I mean, if that, but I mean, if anything, I would have just loved to see more out of the Midget Prime Hunter series. We just mm. got one of the DS. I love the designs and the other characters, like from Candon to Silex to Tracer, mm-hmm. even Weevil. Um, he's like part of the least memorable, but he's for you know, sure the least he memorable was part of that group. <laughs> he's just like a weird, yeah, like slugworm looking dude. Like he's not memorable. He looks like one of those. Uh, what are they called? Ooh. Like a sea cucumber. Considering you even got. <laughs> Considering you even got the wrong character, I, I guess that does make him even less. Memorable. No, 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 no. Isn't that. Weevil the purple guy that looks kind of like a sea cucumber's face? No. What am I thinking of? Maybe. No, no, definitely not. I'm looking at. Candon is the electric. Is the electric one that turns into a slug? Weevil is like the the green halo looking dude mm. that splits his body in two in his morph ball mode. Tracer is like some red spider thing. With a Silex is like yeah. some ice. Oh, Silex, si- he's the purple one, and he has a big arm that looks like a stylus because he's Silex. Yeah, yeah, that's right. No, that's no Tracer is the one that has a hand that's literally ah, a right. stylus because he's the sniper. Wow, I'm way off. Silex this. has like a Silex has like an arm that looks like a shock coil. He like shoots electricity at people. Ah, yes, yes. I, I pulled up a list. By the way, out of habit, I started typing Weevil into Google, and I immediately started typing Pokemon next to it. <laughs> Instead of Metroid. <laughs> like, I just... M- m- muscle memory. <laughs> yeah, look at Weevil's design. He's up yeah, to the, he is the for, He is 100% uh, rejected Halo character. Yeah. But point is, like, that game... Like, the multiplayer was really fun. It was fun to play as different hunters. Explore different types of morph ball. This kind of cool thing, like, oh, the morph ball ability extends to more than just Samus. That's kind of interesting in this universe. I just want to see more of it. I want to see, like, a console version of it. I feel like this could have been, like, a Nintendo's premiere, like, first-person shooting, I don't know, I guess, like, game. Like, to almost complement Splatoon. Like, yeah, Splatoon that's kind of, like, has, I guess it has age appeal for everybody. You know, it appeals to everybody. super competitive. But I feel like I want one where the aim is to actually kill others. Um, Don't take that out of context. Oh, I totally will. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it. Uh, I, I get I what you're saying. I feel like, deserved more love. Well, I feel like they sort of tried to expand hunters in not in a direct way, but like Metroid Prime Federation Force sort of. Did. It was like a spinoff of a spinoff. Like it was like people love first person shooter Metroid hunters. So what if we? If they really to, wanted to, they could have made Federation Force could have been like you playing as those other hunters, maybe doing some other stuff. That's what was weird about just it. Yeah, Federation people. Yeah, and, and I mean, Silex does appear in that game. He does. There is someone from the same species as Noxus that appears in Metroid Prime Three, so they did acknowledge those characters going forward. I mean, Silex again appears in Metroid Prime Three, 
but yeah, it just yeah the other it, ones just kind of fell to the wayside. Well, it felt like Hunters was Did chasing. They not make it? I mean, who made it? Like, I, who made what? Trying to figure out Hunters who made this game. Uh, oh, it was made by yeah, uh, NST like, Nintendo Software Technologies up at NOA. The same people that went on to make such hits as uh, oh, what they make uh, the Mario and Donkey Mario vs Donkey Kong games. They also made Wave Race Blue Storm. Oh, so it was literally made by Nintendo in house. It was American Nintendo at that. Um, but yeah, and it, it feels, well, it feels like Hunters, like to me, these shooter Metroids are chasing the trends, right? So like Hunters was going after Halo and all those of that era. And then it feels like Federation Force, like, oh, squad shooters. On the DS. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then it's like, oh, squad shooters yeah, are popular. Too, What's yeah. a DS squad shooter going to be? Federation Force. And I think like, honestly, on paper, Federation Force was a good idea, excluding that it was just generic Federation guys, but like the idea of, some sort of four swords, triforce heroes type experience overlaid with Metroid is a cool concept. And I remember like they even did some stuff like where it they is, had... but at least put it on the console. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and they had some interesting, and they way better. And they had interesting ideas in it too. Like even if it didn't look as good, like I thought the, the chip, I think they called them chips. Like you, you could pick up chips, like mod your suit to do different things is like a different way of doing the upgrade system mm-hmm. for Metroid, but let you, basically riff on the traditional like role or like player role or class system that a lot of squad shooters have like i thought that was kind of cool but i do get to your point it's not what you're describing like it's not a a direct shooter blast ball yeah we saw rocket league and we're like hey let's do that yeah seriously no yeah that 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 was quite a thud when it landed that did not or not how they revealed that yeah that was blast ball what is that yeah, that was something. But you know, I honestly although think... it did seem like a lot of people were catching on that it was a Metroid related thing. Oh yeah, we we called it when we were sitting there because we were there. We were it was at the Nintendo World Championship, and I think we leaned over to each other like that is Metroid. <laughs> it has to be. But I think the um, I think more so to your point than um, it not being on console. I think the biggest pitfall for Federation Force, and this is true of really any spinoff, and I knew this would come up, I just wasn't sure when. Is that timing matters? Like if you look at when Federation Force was announced. Like the backlash was so strong because it was seven years after the other not very well received Metroid, other M. So for them to go, hey, here's Metroid, but again, not what you want. Definitely, you know, that stung for fans. And I remember <laughs> people did not take it well. And I feel like the thing about any spinoff is like, you know, Nintendo's slowly learning how to navigate it, but it's really about time. Because like even when Hey Pikmin was announced and released yeah. for 3DS. <laughs> It didn't have like the backlash of Federation Force, but it certainly didn't have the buzz of a new Pikmin because again, it was Nintendo sort of leaving a franchise in a weird funk and then returning to it in a way that fans didn't want. In this case, you know, it was Pikmin 3, which overwhelmingly the response seemed to have been this was too short of a game. So they wait four years and then go, okay, Pikmin's back as a side scroller. That's kind of like Kirby Mass Attack. Who's in? And, you know, again, it wasn't quite what fans wanted, and it came out right on the heels of Chibi Robo Ziplash. people Zip knew before was coming, and I guess... Yeah, especially because they... Well, sort of. They, like, said maybe it's coming, and then they're, like, here... Like, Miyamoto confirmed oh, it. Oh, yeah, that's right. Maybe this was Pikmin 4. We, I mean, wrong, you know. Miyamoto's alluded in multiple interviews that it's not Pikmin 4, but they've never outright shown Pikmin 4, so it's easy to assume it's Pikmin 4. And then, you know, it came on the heels of Chibi Robo Ziplash, which also was a side-scroller spinoff of a franchise where fans wanted one thing, and Nintendo didn't deliver on that. Um, so it's it's just interesting, like to you were saying this when I was saying what's right for. Um, yeah, it really it definitely matters hurts when. more when like you're spinning off a franchise that isn't getting mainstay sequels, like yeah, like Chibi Robo. It pretty much went spin off after spin off after spin off, and we're just like just give us normal so that we can at least 
enjoy these spinoffs while knowing that we're still going to get more of what we actually like. The instead of yeah, you know, yeah, being along with. I mean, a Kirby like a new normal traditional Kirby game is inevitable. So is a spinoff. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> so is there. But all we get so it. many spinoffs of yeah. Kirby that like no one really minds that they get so experimental with it. If anything, people. I mean, it's like Kirby's other identity. Oh, I love how it's experimental they really get. Weird games. Yeah, and I mean, like they're actually to that point. Hal has has teased that they're gonna have a new Kirby game this year, and they're like New Year's message. They're talking about how Kirby they're gonna have like games and merch and the Kirby Cafe and in Japan. Hal. So, so there you go. But no, it's interesting though know, because if you like in terms of the timing, like with Pikmin now. You could see Nintendo sort of kind of backpelling and learning from their mistakes. Like a service. What? Pikmin Now. Oh, Pikmin Now. Yeah, it's uh, it's a new streaming kind of service. service. It's a new delivery service for Pikmin to show up at your door. But um, no, like it, you can kind of see the backpelling. Like Nintendo is learning because Pikmin Three Deluxe, like they went back to what fans wanted and what sold well. And what I find kind of interesting about it is they're trying to broaden the audience, not by diluting the game, not by doing a spinoff, not by simplifying it into a side score. In, instead. They're doing it through the marketing now. So it turns out um, Nintendo's data has showed that a lot of folks who picked up Animal Crossing New Horizons with the Switch uh, went on – with their Switches, I guess I should say uh, – went on to buy Pikmin 3. Or at least enough people did that that Nintendo's president, Shintaro Furukawa, pointed it out during the Q&A of their last financial briefing back in like late October, early November. And that is a little – odd i'm not sure what the through line is there but lo and behold now um not coincidentally nintendo of america put out a new video just the other day called why i play pikmin 3 deluxe in which they have multiple influencers discussing the game with some animal crossing angles like some familiar wording and verbiage of how you describe animal crossing like how it's a relaxing game and Mm. it lets you escape to a different world that sort of thing which i mean first of all i don't know if i would call pikmin relaxing that seems like a bit of a misnomer. I mean, no, it's definitely the opposite. I feel like it's never relaxing. It's always more stressful than anything. I mean, I guess it depends on how you play Pikmin, but typically I don't want any of the Pikmin to die. The same, yeah. I mean, how, I, I don't know how anything can be relaxing where there's little ghosts and wisps and whimpers happening every 10 seconds when your Pikmin die. But, um, but yeah, the timing of the video, like right after Christmas, right when a bunch of folks got Animal Crossing and the framing of it in the same sort of like lingo as New Horizons – like definitely not a coincidence, and it seems like this is sort of Nintendo's new like audience expansion trick for Pikmin to grow the franchise instead of like well, let's try Pikmin in a different lane. It's just well, let's do what we know works for Pikmin and just present it differently to people. And I mean, maybe that you know maybe that will lead to Pikmin Four, mm-hmm. and then we'll get a proper Pikmin Four, and that's kind of nice. Um, and it could work, and it's kind of Nintendo learning from the Federation Force and Hey Pikmin mistake. Uh, but the other way they learned is kind of what you saw were saying, well, oh, well, they already announced Pikmin 4. Um, more bluntly, do you remember how not a big deal Age of Calamity was? Like it was announced and it was released and no one's like, where's my real Zelda? Because they announced Breath of the Wild 2 first, which kind of instantly wipes yeah. away anyone saying where's their quote unquote real Zelda. Like, hey, it's already coming. You know it's coming. And – this seems like it's a new sort of spin-off strategy that Nintendo's pretty keen on. Um, Doug Bowser did an interview with Nintendo uh, – he's Nintendo America's president. He did an interview with Polygon right before the holidays, and uh, he said that you know the timing of any game, spin-off or otherwise, is of course up to the developers. But he certainly didn't hide the fact that he's a fan of the kind of um, – Breath of the Wild 2 opening the door for Age of Calamity and letting them both kind of thrive without cannibalizing or upsetting anyone. 
Like the idea that a AAA mm. main game, a main new entry can be preceded with some sort of smaller project was something that he's like, yeah, it's good for Zelda. Yeah, it's, it's great. And, you know, he didn't outright say that's what they're going to do, but he also didn't outright – like he kind of was like nudging it and like, yeah, we want to do this more. And I think that if you look at like the timeline from Federation Force and how Metroid Prime 4 came after that to now how you have Age of Calamity coming after Breath of the Wild 2 and announcement cycles, like that – I think hopefully they've kind of learned their lesson from spinoffs and how to properly do them. We'll see, but um, it's promising at least. And actually, the the polygon yeah, I mean, interview for it shouldn't or be that hard to figure out. I mean, yeah, just look at the Fast and Furious franchise. They knew to wait until we had at least like six or seven or nine with Hobbs and Shaw or nine. Actually, I take that back. After two, they did Tokyo Drift, which I think was a spinoff. No, it, it's technically number. It's technically number end. three. They just swapped out most of the cast. So that would be an example well, of that. They, they Federation Tokyo Drift number three, yeah. Yeah, but people love Tokyo Drift now, and they've integrated that cast back into the main games. In other words, Nintendo, if you want to do a Metroid Prime Hunters on Switch, you can integrate some stuff back in or make it a multiplayer mode of Metroid Prime 4. Just saying, just think big. Think Vin Diesel. Think how Vin Diesel thinks. He produces Fast and Furious. But um, but re- real uh, quick aside, the interview with Doug Bowser on Polygon, if anyone's curious, he touches on Switch Pro rumors, Joy-Con drift, how Nintendo handled the early days of the pandemic. It's all, you know, in typical corporate speak where he bobs and weaves around the questions like any good Nintendo exec would. But it is nice to see a Nintendo person addressing these things. So we'll link to the, in the blog post for anyone who wants to check out the interview. Nothing new, sh- no, no like groundbreaking breaking news in there, but um, it's kind of nice just to see him pop up and talk. And talk about like how, you know, even things like Pikmin 3, it sounds like got delayed because of COVID and they're trying to like figure out how to pace things around evergreens. And so it's kind of interesting if you're into that side of things. But, um, I feel like I went on a tangent. It's interesting if, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, um, sometimes. sometimes, but to get back to the, um, the more interesting like spinoff conversation, I think if, if you remove the issue of timing or fan demands for proper sequels, there are a lot of interesting opportunities of things to do with spinoffs. Like one I was thinking about, um, which would be kind of cool. It's like you mentioned a proper Metroid sequel. I think it would be cool if they sort of went or not a proper Metroid, sequel, proper Metroid Prime Hunter sequel. I think it'd be cool if they did, um, a Captain Falcon origin game. Maybe like an action game made by Platinum Games or something. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the material's all there already. We see Captain Falcon out of his car showing his moves in Smash. In Smash uh, Eating the ramen. Anim- yeah, exactly. Really, really going to town on that ramen. Uh, the anime GP legend. Yeah, in- some of the Fire Emblem characters in that one trailer. Yeah, I mean, he, he the dude lived a life. He has lived a life, and I want to know what that life is. Because even in the anime GP legend, like, they started to dive deeper into some of the F-Zero lore, but... You know, they didn't go too far, but there, there's enough material there. I mean, there are 50-ish racers in F-Zero. Like, they can build a world out of this. And I think, like, someone like Platinum, like, we know thanks to Astral Chain, Platinum is very capable of, like, an anime-ish style action game and a type of saying that's perfect for F-Zero. In fact, like, the opening of Astral Chain, you're on a bike going through a tunnel. So, like, you know, that's base, this base, the game basically develops itself. Like, it's, it's easy enough. But, like, seriously, if you don't, like, you don't really think about F-Zero for its story, but, I mean, 50 characters and, and there's cutscenes even in like F-Zero GX. Like you, you know, it's, it's just flesh it out. I mean, it's there's just a lot of lore there. It's mm-hmm. all right there. And I mean, we know they're never going to make a proper GX sequel. That's not going to happen. Even though actually, did you see the other day, the original, the producer of GX, uh, Toshihiro, I think his name is Nagoshi, something like that. He, he um, 
he well now he makes the yakuza games he's the producer of that but he was telling red bull uh red bull france maybe one of the european red bulls that uh he's has an, basically an affinity for f-zero and would be open to making another gx if nintendo lets him of course they won't but uh you know nintendo does love platinum games and they've given them the keys to other kingdoms we talked about Star Fox Zero earlier so i don't know i'm just saying captain falcon origin game could happen come on platinum <laughs> i mean that sounds pretty cool it like, would be cool i feel like it'd be cool if, 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 i feel like that would do well i mean even if people would be as said for the same reason we talked about earlier of there having not been any f-zero games in a long time because it's captain falcon could definitely see it still being successful. I mean, they they literally Although revived Kid Icarus off want... <laughs> Pit in Smash. They can revive. They could do a Captain Falcon origin game off Captain Falcon in Smash. Like it's fine. It's just sadder because it is. Like, we're it talking is. about like a GameCube era character versus like someone that was like from Game Boy. And oh, yes. I, yeah, it's super sad. Although I would love to see. Um, I mean, with that in mind, yeah. Um, I just want more lore from the Arms universe and just mm. like have that play out however they want. It doesn't mm-hmm. even have to be like the same Arms fighting game. Probably, preferably not. Arms would make I could... a cool Streets of Rage 2D beat em up spin off yeah. mini game, like a shorter game. Like, you know? You pick yeah. different characters that have or different arm abilities. Like... Yeah, could even be like an interesting if they made it like a hybrid between a beat em up and a platformer. Because I feel like you could use those arms in interesting ways to maneuver across like a level or something. Oh, yeah, it's like full on Bionic but... Commando, basically. Yeah. Like the yeah, arm mechanics, yeah. yeah, that would that'd be cool, and, that, and that's another world that they built so much lore. They had, I, I remember last episode you talked about the canceled comic book for arms, or not canceled, but the one that never materialized. Like, there's so much lore, and they spent so much on the world building that yeah, they could flesh it out with something. That I'd be okay with that. That could be cool. Yeah, I think another um, kind of interesting one would be. Um, <laughs> so I remember I was saying in the last QC. Bear with me here. This gets ridiculous, but bear with me. I remember I was saying in the last QC that I really like What Remains of Edith Finch. And if it was out in 2020, it would have been my game of the year here on the Nintendo podcast. But because we had to talk about games that came out in 2020, it wasn't. But I was trying to think, like, what could Nintendo do in that realm of sort of the more linear, story-driven, it's still interactive, but, like, definitely more of a interactive movie and less of a game like what could they do with an existing franchise that would be kind of interesting and then this came up what if they took the idea of what remains of E.F. Finch where you learn about family's history and how things came to be and you learn like the deep dark secrets and they apply it to the Tom Nook Nook family right like you go through Tom Nook's life you learn about his past loves you learn about how like Timmy and Tommy's childhood beyond when they run a store uh they can intertwine other animal crossing characters like we don't know why leaf doesn't have some sort of arrangement to sell his plants in nook stores if nook stores already sell seeds like it's not that much further to just have leaf's products I mean, there apparently nook also has a history with the sable sisters he does and the, yes and not only that but okay so he has a history with the it's s- like implied that there were a couple at some point or i don't know yeah like but... what's that about or or similarly like why if they have this long relationship do the, does he not help them in you know in parts of the world where they can't go manually be there with their store why is he not provide them with uh the infrastructure to distribute their clothes through his stores why does kicks only sell his shoes how he sells his shoes and not through the nook store like there are so many 
you know, what's the relationship between KK Slider and him? What's the relationship between Isabel and him? Like, there's so many things they could do, and they could kind of do it because of Tom Nook's, like, mafioso, like, reputation. It would be kind of funny if they did. It's kind of like this, like, detective story, like, film noir type of thing. But in with the gameplay of what remains mm-hmm. of Edith Finch. Like, I think it, I think it could be kind of cool. Like, I know it sounds absolutely bonkers and it's never going to happen, but I just love the idea of like learning how Tom Nook came sounds to like be. something that someone would make on their own spare time, like something we would just find on the internet. Yeah. Like, I would love to see, like, I don't know who you'd be playing as. Um, probably someone that doesn't know Tom Nook and has to like discover all this on their own. Or maybe like a, maybe one of Timmy or Tony's like grandchildren. So it's just like many generations later. Mm-hmm. But I just imagine them like walking through a empty house and you just see like pictures of like Tom Nook in his youth and he's like all white eyed and happy and then as you see like when he's getting older and older like the eyelids the upper eyelid like slowly start to close more and more <laughs> until literally all you ever see is just that like I guess that that tired expression that he just always has yeah. the yeah I'm into this but I, I've seen I've been through so much of this already but let's go yeah, like, I just, it's just, I mean, here, here's my thing about spinoffs. If you're going to go in a different direction, like, lean all the way in. And as someone who loves weird Nintendo, like, what a great chance something like this would be to get weird. And, you know, if it doesn't work, hey, it's not a mainline game, it's fine. But you're still going to sell a couple hundred thousand copies because Animal Crossing is the hottest thing ever right now. But, like, seriously, I love weird riffs on stuff. Like, I, I mean, the other week, I don't know if you saw a story that popped up about the work boy. Did you see that thing? It's, um, I guess back at, like, CES oh, yeah. 19- yeah, like at CES okay. 1992, a Game Boy accessory was announced by Nintendo that was actually a full-on workstation for the Game Boy. It came with a keyboard. It had 12 apps um, that displayed on the Game Boy screen. You could sit with your Game Boy to like translate between languages or edit databases or like manage an address book, right, with a word processor. Literally everything a PDA would do in later years. You could do on your Game Boy with an unwieldy keyboard. And I, I guess – so there were only like two prototypes made um, – the Digino Gaming channel somehow got hold of one of the prototypes, like the YouTube channel, and thanks to the Nintendo Giga Leak that happened last year, they were able to get a ROM of the software. But I guess this thing never came out because the price of RAM went up too high in Japan, and then the factory where it was going to be made exploded or something. I, it's a crazy story, but either way, like the product, frankly, makes no sense. It would have cost the same price as the Game Boy itself. You would have needed to carry a keyboard around with your Game Boy everywhere. But it's such a weird spinoff of the core Game Boy concept. I just, I just love it. And that's why I want the Nook Family Story. It's so weird. It really doesn't make sense for what Animal Crossing is. It's just a cheery, happy game. But, like, I just really want them to do it. It's just so out there. So that I don't think mm. I could top that spinoff wish. I don't know if you have any others, but that that's my peak. <laughs> I'm peaking very early um, in 2021. Other, I mean, the only other thing I could think of is just like seeing like a game where you actually do bounty hunting missions as Samus. Mm. Like there are very few instances of that in the Metroid series. Like right. you only give one mission to like get the last Metroid. But for the most part, Samus is always just surviving. Like their ship, her ship gets destroyed. She has to survive. I just want to see her like actually going through like finding out. Like, I don't know, getting the bounty, going through the investigation phase of figuring out where they're located, maybe traveling between, like, different star systems, and then just picking up clues and then, you know, eventually confronting them, however that may be. And that could always be different, because I'm sure not everyone is going to end up in a shootout. I don't know. It'd just be really cool to see that that side of Samus and maybe gives us time to actually, like, learn about her and how she works. It almost retcons... 
Oh, might ahead. be better than how Metroid, Metroid Other M tried. Well, that's what I was about to say. Is it almost seems like it retcon what Other M was trying to do because I feel like the narrative and the like personal side and how she talked in Other M was very like kind of detective film noir story. You know, yeah, just, um, in, yeah, just, just lean, lean in. on the way. Yeah, yeah, I, I that could be cool. So, how would the gameplay be? Are you thinking like a Phoenix Wright or like a like a Trace Memory Another Code that sort of thing? Like where you're just sort of walking in third person bit of everything. or everything, like. Hmm. Like, I would say, like, overworld. Not even overworld, but, like, I would say, like, for the most part, it would control, like, in third person. Um, Actually, yeah, more like, kind of like L.A. Noir Because that is kind of like if Phoenix Wright was a 3D third game. person. Yeah, like a 3D game in yeah, a real world. A, a third person, like, open world game. Because you literally do have investigation modes. You pick up items. Just obviously futurize it. Make it. Yeah. More, just make it more relevant to Metroid. But, you know, talk to witnesses or talk to people, see if they're lying, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, it doesn't have to go that deep. But, you know, Samus has her own way to investigate things. Like, oh, this area looks suspicious. Don't really see anything wrong with it. Boom, turn on X-ray visor. Oh, I see there's, like, a secret cellar there. Now I could actually, like, just, like, open that hatch. Because, you know, or maybe you're looking for someone that's hiding in a crowd of, like, robots or something. Or, I don't know, maybe you're looking for something specific. You can use your heat visor. Oh, this one actually has like a beating heart, or there's like the heat signature it's over there. You know, there's yeah. like a lot of cool things they could do. It, when you're especially, I just imagine like chase sequences that would be awesome. That would. I mean, be you're pretty cool. much hide and seek with these like bounties because I mean, they're not gonna not be afraid of Samus. Samus is like probably like infamous and super destructive with how many plants she's blown up and like ungodly creatures like she destroyed. So yeah, it'd be an interesting game of like. Mouse and like super cat. Well, it's fine because the more you describe it, the more I'm like, oh, so basically, like, make the Mandalorian a video game starring Samus. <laughs> like, you go plant to plant, you're trying to find things. Sometimes there's action, sometimes there's not, sometimes there's mystery. Like, that could work. I could get into that. That'd be cool. Yeah. But, but um, maybe they're already working on it. That maybe. one, I feel, compared to my other one, feels like the most plausible. One, yeah, I think that's but... that's more plausible. That's certainly more plausible than what remains of Tom Nook. <laughs> or whatever it would be called. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, yeah, I think I, these would be cool. And absolutely none of them will ever happen. But it would be cool. It would be cool. Um, but maybe we should ground ourselves a little before we wrap up the show here with things that can be achieved and will be achieved. Um, one thing we wanted to do – I know we talked about before we started recording. One thing we were thinking of doing is um, switch New Year's resolutions. Like it's a new year. There's – you know, what goal are we going to set for our Switch playing in 2021 um this kind of like you know we gotta do something new year's related for the episode so we can't just talk about old and made up stuff so we gotta end with some actual new year stuff so um should i go first do you want to go first i guess i go first i don't i'll go first um, <laughs> or do you want to go I'm first super simple i mean i mean if we're just talking like switched like uh yeah switch that uh, switch resolutions i don't know why i stumbled on that so hard it's okay <laughs> um, switch resolutions um it would probably, man, just switch would probably be to clear my black, my clear my backlog. Because mm. luckily on the switch itself, it isn't that big, but there is one. Um, and I just mean be like I, for the most part, unless like I'm really in love with the game, I'm completely fine just beating it normally without going back and hundred percenting it. Which is, you know, like I think like Mario Odyssey was like the last time that. I 100% of the game that I wasn't completely in love with. Like, if it wasn't for the sense of obligation, I wouldn't have 100% of that game for sure. I would have just straight up beaten it. Mm-hmm. But, 
yeah, like I know for a fact, like I have Dragon Quest XI to get through. And while I'm really enjoying that game, yeah, there's no way I'm going to try to 100% that game. I think I could use those extra 100 hours to beat everything else I'm interested in. But right, yeah, just go back through all the games that I haven't beaten, which hopefully aren't too many. And, you know, that way I could put those in the past and look towards newer, newer things. That's a good one. Mine, mine's the polar opposite. I'm going to expand my backlog even more, I think. Um, because for me, <laughs> so I, I should set the stage here. Mine, basically mine is I want to play more non Nintendo games on Switch. Um, and the reason I say that is, I mean, we, it's twofold. We on the show talk about a lot their pro games. And I was like, oh, I should check that out. Or, oh, that'd be cool. Or I'll look at that. And I like never follow through on buying them. Like I remember Bioshock collection. And I was like, oh, I can finally play Bioshock. And I, have not bought it was 15 bucks the you other day it? and i didn't At buy least it. the first one i know and it was only 15 bucks for all three would during, you kind of play the first christmas one? i will that's my resolution is to start playing more third-party games but the thing that really made like push me to do it besides that you know i mentioned games and don't actually necessarily fall through with a lot of them is um nintendo's switch year in review came out i think everyone that has a switch everyone listening probably got theirs um you know, you go to the website, it spits out some facts about how many hours you put in, what type of games you play, and then it ranks you as what type of gamer you are. And there were a lot of people that were like, oh, I'm a core gamer. I play all the games. Like, I think you got that. Like, I think everyone we, we know got, got the that. Bowser. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then there's Pretty like... anyone that likes games got that. Yeah, and then and then there's also and one, you. if you only bought a Switch for Animal Crossing, there's one like, oh, you're a camp enthusiast or something like that. And, you know, they have these different ones. And then I got... You're a Nintendo fan. And I'm like, yeah. And it's like, hey, you really like Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And you basically only play Nintendo. So mm-hmm. thanks for supporting Nintendo. And I'm like, oh, God, is it that much? And granted, two of my top five games were not Nintendo. Mm-hmm. It was Torchlight with you guys. And it was, I think, I think Minecraft slipped in at the end there. But, um, or no, Rocket League. Rocket League. It was Rocket League. But, like, nonetheless, the Nintendo literally shouted at me like, hey, you only buy our games. And then I turn around the podcast and go, look at all these cool third-party games. How come we don't have more third-party support? I'm the problem. So in 2021, I'm going to make it a point to check out some other experiences. Because even like, you know, top of the show, we were talking about um, the Miyamoto interview with the New Yorker. And he was talking about Nintendo doesn't make like emotionally heavy games. They want to make warm experiences. And I'm like, yeah, but there's a lot of cool, more emotionally heavy games out there that I just don't play because Nintendo doesn't make them. So like I'm going to try and play more third-party games on Switch in 2021. Um, it was like a weird wake up call when, when I got that switch year in review. And I think I'm on the right track. I mean, we only talked about, uh, in depth third party games today. I mean, Crash and Minecraft. So I'm starting strong, but yeah, that's definitely my goal this year. And as soon as I see, uh, Bioshock drop down in price again, I can't believe I missed it for 15 bucks. All three of them. I'm going to have to dip in on that and, you know, just go. <sighs> But yeah, so so that's my resolution. Um, I'm going to make the backlog even worse, but I'm going to experience more games from more publishers because right now it's pretty much Nintendo and indies for me. So um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to broadening those horizons. Um, well, yeah. Well, looking forward to seeing what else you can... Well, hoping to see if you find anything that compels you to beat it. Well, I mean, I guess we I'm, I'm still crossing my fingers for an Edith Finch type of experience again. And that's a third party game. And to be fair, I mean, anything Annapurna heard I would puts say, out, I'll probably get. They, I love the games they publish. So, I mean, I would also say you should add to your resolution to start or continue Paper Mario. You know, 
Paper Mario. Yes, I actually, I funny enough, it, but I just realized that, like, enough, hey, you know what? no, this guy needs to make this part of his resolution. You know, you know what's funny no. is, um, I when we were so uh, little inside baseball, make that the for, only Nintendo game you play. Inside baseball for everyone listening at home, uh, Angel and I went over what the topics will be this episode. And we talked about resolutions, and my first thought was, oh, I should say Paper Mario, but then I was like, no, he's gonna be like, I can't believe that's be a New Year's resolution. I thought you're doing it because for friends, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I purposely didn't, only for you to now say it. So I'm coming full circle <laughs> because um, i felt like you were giving yourself an out to not do it no i'll do it i'll do it you know what i will i will i will this week start back up this week <laughs> by quarantine chronicles i will wow. have progress so i'm starting to forget where i was the whole point is that's me know. with every game man <laughs> i don't know where i am in anything um yeah so that's the same. yeah also like like that being said like i think I guess it depends on how much time it takes you to catch up to our next like milestone in Paper Mario because I'm still waiting for you to catch up to this one. I guess I may not try to actually 100% this game and also just beat it at this point just so we can beat it. I, I will but, say Nintendo's very yeah. generous in having nothing on their release schedule besides Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury next uh, in February next month. So there's like solid six weeks of no oh, new boy. games. So probably okay. I might be able to do it. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll leave it there. Uh, well, who knows? That could all get blown up. So next episode, we'll be back on the 17th of January and we'll have whatever news Nintendo and its partners decide to kick off the year with. I mean, sometimes they do a direct in early January, in like mid January. Sometimes they don't. So obviously everything's out of whack with COVID. So we will see, but we'll have something for you next episode. Um, and of course in the interim, there's also quarantine chronicles this coming weekend. Um, Kevin should be back. So that will be – I hope so. He's the host of that one. So uh, yeah, so we have, we have a lot of content. Is there anything else you want to mention before we go, Angel? Mm, I guess not. All right. So everyone take that mm, internalize it. Go follow us on Twitter at Ram Nintendo. Go subscribe to us on all the podcast apps. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Pandora, Spotify. I We may be on Amazon's new podcast Thing. i'm not sure uh someone let us know if we are uh we're also on i think pandora did i say we're on pandora and you can find us on youtube ram nintendo.com is the channel name individually we're on twitter i'm jsr7 angel is wero w-e-i-r-o underscore o and uh kevin's not here for the final word so angel i think the duty falls upon you oh.